Hello, and welcome to Right Now with Ralph Martin, a podcast where author, speaker, and worldwide renewal leader, Dr. Ralph Martin, shares what the Holy Spirit is stirring up in the church right now. Words of encouragement from the Lord to strengthen you for such a time as this. We are glad you can be with us this week as we seek to encourage you for this moment in history. And now, your host, Ralph Martin. We're very blessed today to have as our guest, Al and Sally Cresta. Al and Sally are Catholic parents of five children, and Al is the host of a, a radio program called Cresta in the Afternoon. The Catholic radio stations across the country carry. He's also the president of uh, WDO, CEO of yeah. Ave Maria Radio. Ave Maria Radio, and uh, their base is here in the Ann Arbor, Michigan area. And WDEO 990 on your AM dial is the the local station that they're they're carried through. Although they're carried on many other stations as well. Uh, how'd you get to doing what you're doing? Well, I think it uh, comes back to a strong sense of uh, calling when I was uh, in college. I had been involved in uh, drug, sex, and rock and roll as a teenager, uh, which led into New Age uh, thought. And then through a remarkable series of divine interventions, uh, came to realize that the Jesus of the New Testament was not the Jesus of the New Age movement. So I began following Jesus as he was portrayed in the New Testament. And it wasn't uh, very long Did before... Did you grow up as a Catholic, Alan? I was. I was raised as a Catholic. And then uh, you know, by the time I was 14, 15, uh, there were other... Uh, uh, the hormones were working a lot harder than the Holy Spirit, I think, in my life. So I you know, fell away <laughs> easily. And, uh, uh, but at Michigan State, uh, I was confronted with the claims of Christ. And... Uh, just seemed as though what I wanted to do with the rest of my life was tell people about the importance of Jesus, try to look at uh, life uh, through his light, and uh, also knew at that time that I was called to marriage. Uh, reading C.S. Lewis uh, about the one-fleshedness of the marriage relationship, husband and wife, lock and key, violin and bow, I knew that uh, I wanted uh, and felt called to be married. So those two things have really governed my life. I got involved in uh, Christian bookstores to help propagate the faith. Uh, be ended up being asked then to pastor a church as an evangelical Protestant. Uh, was asked to start doing radio. So those two uh, aspects of my life, two sense of calling. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Two sense of callings uh, have have uh, stood firm so far. Call to mission and call to marriage. Yeah. Uh, as a married man, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Now, at some point, you came back to the Catholic Church. Is that right? Yes, that was after roughly uh, eighteen years in uh, uh, evangelical Protestant uh, ministry. What what brought you back? Well, there are a lot of a lot of the standard things that I know you've heard about. Uh, I was preaching through the Book of Romans, and I began to realize that Romans was not the great uh, Protestant uh, epistle, the Magna Carta of the Reformation that I had been led to believe. That in fact it was very Catholic in its understanding of the way grace and faith work in our lives. Uh, I had never really considered uh, the, the the authority of uh, Peter, and uh, so the 
passage from Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 19 hit me, and I believe that Peter was, in fact, the rock upon whom Christ was building, building the church. But what really, at the deepest level, it was Jesus' prayer for unity in John chapter 17, mm-hmm. which uh, I began to think wasn't just a wish, uh, that he really yeah. did and expect yeah. his people to be visibly one. And he had given the world the right to judge whether the Father had sent the Son by the degree of observable love and unity That's they scariest. saw on the part of Israel. <laughs> yeah. And it was that I said, look, I really, I believe that, so I need to fly my flag here. I, I'm really a Catholic. Uh, but that's uh, the mm-hmm. long and short of yeah. it. That's what sure. the, the, the relation between unity and authority that drove me into the church. And Sally didn't come kicking and screaming. No. Did you grow up a, a Catholic Sally? No, I was raised a Methodist uh-huh. um, and became a Christian, actually, a committed Christian when I met Al. But when he uh, started heading towards the Catholic Church, I think I'd already been prepared um, I just fell in love with the Catholic Church. I fell in love with the liturgy. When I was first told the um, what the Eucharist really was, it just hit me as true. And um, I thought, well, of course, it's got to be more than what I've been taught. And uh, from that point on, it was a big love affair with the Catholic Church and raising children in the richness of the liturgical year um, and just the community of the parish it has just been uh, more than I could ever have imagined. Mm, that's great. Well, you know, just being married for 27 years and having five kids is enough <laughs> of, of a story to tell. But when I first met you, Al, you weren't in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. Tell us what happened. Uh, let's see. February 17th, on 2003, uh, I was uh, had been feeling uh, ill. I had strep throat. Uh, hadn't been had pain in my left leg. Uh, our, my friend had sent over uh, another friend, Gary Zamuda, to deliver communion to me. And uh, I told Gary that I was uh, feeling spiritually in a, a logjam. Not only did I have this physical thing, which I didn't know what it was at the time. But I had felt for a few months before very much in a rut spiritually. And getting older, too, uh, uh, change comes more difficult, becomes Mm -hmm. more difficult. So Mm -hmm. I told Gary, I said, I think think the Lord is going to do something to break this spiritual logjam in my life. The following following Monday, uh, my son Nick and his friend Matthew Led me to the van. Sally drove me to the emergency room. My blood pressure was so low that they couldn't administer any pain medication. They finally got my blood pressure up, gave me some pain medication, and next day, doctors clustered around the bed and told me that uh, I had necrotizing fasci. They thought I had necrotizing fasciitis, the flesh-eating bacteria. The thing that we read about occasionally. It sounds so scary. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It was a, it was a real surprise, and yeah, you know, it was like getting mugged. Really, I mean, doctors come come in and they say essentially, "Okay, uh, give me your leg or your life." Mm. You know, what do you want? Well, and I said, "Well, it's not a pleasant choice, but it's a fairly easy choice." So they took me in and they uh, couldn't save the leg. Well, they told me if I didn't act within twenty minutes, uh, I'd 
I could die within an hour and a half to three hours. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And why don't you say what you were going through <laughs> at that moment? Well, I was called, um, I was at home arranging babysitting for my toddler, and the nurse called and said I needed to come back to the hospital immediately. At the time, all we thought he had sepsis. It had entered his bloodstream, and he had blood poisoning, which is a pretty serious um, illness to have. And they, he was in ICU already, but they were getting that under control. So I thought we had, uh, we knew what we were dealing with until I got down to the hospital, and they said, um, "Have you seen these lines on his leg?" And I hadn't. They were. It was growing an inch an hour. Mm. So it was very quick. Um, I had just enough grace to accept it, um, give him a kiss, and... So what happened? Well, that was the last I was conscious for about uh, six, seven days. Mm. And when I came to... Unconscious for six, seven yeah, days, yeah. yeah. Uh, when I came to, uh, my, my daughter Alexis was there, and her now husband John was there, as well as uh, my son Nick, I believe. I had John in class at Franciscan University oh, you did? for one oh. of those theology <laughs> classes. Yeah, good, good student, good Carmelite. Yes, he is. He is. That's yeah. right. He's doing his uh, doctoral dissertation on the Eucharistic theology of Saint John of the Cross. Oh, great. So. Sal was. Um, uh, good to get into this too, but uh, our one flesh union. Uh, spilled over into her life in a very uh, frustrating and, and uh, antagonistic way. Um, when I woke up, one of the first things I learned is that Sally was in the hospital. Hmm. I was um, infected with the same strep bacteria in the same leg, uh, but in a different way. In necrotizing fasciitis, the um, bacteria gets into the deep tissue and then to the bloodstream. In my case, it uh, got into um, more shallow tissue right under the skin and was cellulitis. But it's an infection that was growing up my leg similar to how his infection had been growing up his leg. And I was hospitalized three days later from him, and uh, they watched me as though I had the same thing. This is not supposed to be communicable either. Mm -hmm. It's a very rare so, disease, yeah. necrotizing fasciitis. Yeah. So they had um, they took me to the operating room thinking my doctor, my first doctor, said they might have to remove tissue from my leg, which is what they said with him. And I, I said, no, I don't think so. You can't do that. <laughs> Luckily, the, uh, the surgeon in the operating room said that he didn't think it was what they said it was. So... He just did a biopsy, and um, I was in the hospital for a week, but mine was much less severe than, obviously, than his. You know, when you're, uh, when you're married, you make these bold and audacious and noble and high-minded promises about fidelity, about uh, till death do us part in sickness yeah. and in health and rich and poor, uh, and, uh, you know, you realize you don't have the power to fulfill those promises. Mm -hmm. uh, this was one of those times where uh, we were both so needy uh, mm -hmm. that uh, uh, physically we couldn't even be with one another. And uh, uh, it was the children who kind of took control of our familial life together at that point. Okay. You Powerful. said that you felt like 
God was going to break a logjam in your life. Was was this something he permitted to, to break that logjam? Well, this is, yeah, it gets to the heart of you know my inner experience of it. Uh, when I came to my daughter, Alexis, uh, uh, I asked her some questions, and she finally broke news to me that I, my leg was gone. And I, she had to do some uh, television interviewing and radio interviewing because people were asking. The word had gotten out. Yeah. That uh, I was, I was in the hospital, and people. Al, were Al incidentally, is a, a well-known figure in this area, but across the country, I think he has the best Catholic radio program on the air, <laughs> crest in the afternoon. I tell that to everybody. Thank it's, you. It, they could get it on their website. On your website, they can they? at AveMariaRadio.net. AveMariaRadio.net. You could tune into Al's program if you're mm -hmm. not in an area which has a, a local station. Yeah, thank so. you. Uh, so, people were praying. And uh, Alexis had to do some interviewing, and so she asked me, "Do you ever? Are you thinking?" This was my first lucid conversation. I don't know, maybe it was 24 hours or so after I came, became conscious again. She said, are, "Do you ever? Are you ever asking yourself why you?" And the truth is that I wasn't. I mean, I, I why not me? I had a lively faith. I have a loving and supportive family. I have a competent and compassionate staff uh, that was able to step in and do the work. Uh, I've got a church that believes in God's healing power and uh, is prayerful and is committed to intercession. I had uh, thousands of well-wishers and friends and fans who, who were praying for me, and I felt really buoyed up by their prayers. I felt like the the fellow in Mark chapter 2, the paralytic, who had been lowered down through the ceiling mm -hmm. into Jesus' presence. Well, in my case, I was like a, a, a boat that had been uh, uh, run, uh, run on the sand, and the prayers of God's people came under me and lifted me into Jesus' presence. And I felt positively uh, full grace at that mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. I felt excited about life. And... Uh, you know, and I, another thing too is I, it's not like one of these Civil War uh, soldiers who takes a shot to the hip, you know, musket shot, and they have to saw off his leg, and they only have whiskey for anesthetic, <laughs> right, and then right. they pack it in mud or something like yeah. that, and put him in a tent, howling people, howling. For me, I was in a great hospital, great medical care. The nurses were almost without uh, uh, any distinction; they were wonderful. And, uh, you know, I had a clean room, I had uh, television, I had books, I had morphine. I mean, when I was 17, that would have been the, the thought, the ideal life. So, so really, I didn't feel as though I was suffering in that tr mm -hmm. really tragic sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I felt as though uh, I was equipped by the Lord, not by natural temperament, but by the Lord, to face this thing and handle this thing. Isn't that great? Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Sally, what, what did, how, did, how did you go through this, both for yourself and for Al? And you know, what did you see happening in him and you and the family? How did, how did this all impact you? Well, to begin with, the, um, when I first, uh, when I was waiting for the surgery to happen, and I was in the waiting room, I had two friends, dear friends, with me praying. Um, a second set of friends and my priest, Father Ed, a second set of, of friends came, not even knowing he was in surgery. They knew he was in ICU. And they brought a full-size um, image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And in the uh, while he was in surgery, we were praying to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Now, the news that I heard from the doctors that they were going to amputate his leg, I didn't think was the answer I was looking for. 
Yeah. I thought, That's you know, this is, I was just praying, this is not the answer. But it, it, it was the answer, and it was a gracious answer. It was a severe mercy. And I really feel that the um, intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe had a lot to do with um, how things went from there on. Because during the surgery, they said, we'll amputate his leg, and we still don't know if he'll survive. So for five days, his life was in the balance. And uh, it was really the prayers and intercessions that saved his life. Well, I would add to that, uh, and again, only God knows, but I, I believe sometimes suffering on behalf of others is a very tangible thing. And I, I believe that the suffering that Sally went through here was... Um, uh, di- directly related to what I was going through, and I think that uh, her suffering, the same leg, same basic area, uh, was her entering into my suffering. And there's good re- there's my it's it, my spiritual imagination is such that I believe that it was her suffering that kept me alive mm-hmm. in uh, our uh, mm-hmm. well, uh, our. Uh, Feast, uh, I mean, our, our uh, wedding is uh, March 19th, which is the Feast of St. Joseph, the husband. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, you know, I've always thought, since becoming Catholic, that she's a lot better off in the Mary role than I am in the, <laughs> in the Joseph role. <laughs> yeah. But uh, she, she was... Catholic women are something else, yeah. aren't they? They're, yeah. holy, they're holy women. So yeah. the, the suffering, you know, my daughter asks me... Uh, do you ask, why does this happen to you? And uh, I said, no, why shouldn't it happen to me? Because, again, within my worldview, within my framework, suffering is meant, especially as a Catholic now, suffering is meant uh, to mold and shape us into the image of Christ. Uh, this world has a way of pressing us into its mold, and uh, sometimes that mold has to be broken so that we can be remolded into the uh, image of Christ. So I was... I said from the very beginning that I didn't want to waste a moment of this suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was vital that this would be made uh, uh, redemptive in some way. We uh, stripped the room of all the cards from well-wishers and gifts, and I kept nothing but a crucifix in my books uh, and, and Bible there, and tried to enter into some kind of uh, retreat. I thought God was giving me uh, loving discipline. I, I didn't feel judged or guilty because of this illness. But I did think Daddy loved me and he was giving me a real tough squeeze right now. And that he wanted me to uh, shape up. He, he wanted me to go back and remember uh, a little more clearly what it was like uh, to walk in faith with him. Uh, as you get older, for me anyways, mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, you t- it's easy to rely a little bit on your track record, uh, whether you've got money in the bank, whether you've got children who are coming along well, mm-hmm. uh, you know. You, mm-hmm. yeah. and, I, and I think the Lord was telling me it's time for you to go back to living on the edge and living raw again. Uh, and, I, I, and I tell you, there was an experience going into the fifth surgery where this became... Uh, very, very uh, vivid. You want to? They had to go back and I, five times. Oh, yeah. I had to go back on this. You want to talk about this fifth surgery? Well, there was um, uh, some infections that they had to deal with. I think there were two major surgeries um, having to do with the amputation. But the uh, 
you know, the, the infections just kept coming and it, it was slow and um, a little frustrating. And, and one Sunday evening, I remember, it's not normally when they would do surgery, but it was severe enough that they had to schedule a surgery on a Sunday evening. And they they even mentioned that they might even have to do more amputation, which yeah. scared us to death. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was a few weeks into it, and we felt that we had gone through the worst. And mm-hmm. we just looked at each other and thought, Lord, we 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 can't do this again, you know. Well, yeah, that's so exactly... He, he had a little conversation with God on the way to the operating room. I was on the room. gurney, and they're wheeling me towards the operating room, and I'm talking to the Lord saying, you know, I was... Took, I thought I took this pretty well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 uh, I had to take it laying down. I can't take it laying, standing up, but Lord, you know, uh, I thought I handled this pretty well. You know, I was able to affirm your name and your goodness through all of this. And second surgery, third surgery. I said, you know, it's getting old now. We're into the fifth surgery. And what's there to learn here? I mean, what trial am I supposed to endure? And he, I got a very distinct uh, impression from him. And uh, he sang me, Al, you have done well. Uh, you're my child. But this is not, first of all, about uh, a lesson learned. It's not about uh, uh, a trial endured. It's about a life lived. And I think he was saying to me, I was going to, for the remainder of my life, I would have to live without the accoutrements of um, uh, oh, the normal the normal respectable middle class uh, props uh, nothing wrong with those I'm, I, this is I took this to be to me but that uh, there I would have to always be remembering that I was walking on the edge with him mm-hmm. Walking yeah. on the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Come out, hold you up. come out. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. Very well said. That's yeah. that. I didn't think of that, but that is mm-hmm. Peter being called to walk out yeah. on the water. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Not looking yeah. at the winds of the waves, but keeping your eyes on the Lord, yeah. so that you don't sink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it was it was powerful, uh, powerful. People sometimes ask if I was have been discouraged, and this is, Sally was very helpful here. She brought me a teaching of Saint Ignatius Loyola which said discouragement is never from God because it hides the bright rays uh, of faith and hope. And I was able to stay, um, uh, I, can, I tend to be introspective and I muse on these things because mm-hmm. I, I believe God's telling a story in our lives and I, I want to get the story right. But uh, <laughs> I, Sal said no discouragement. Uh, and that helped me turn away from the introspection and towards uh, uh, offering up the suffering, even when I did it so badly. But don't be discouraged. Uh, it's uh, St. Catherine of Siena says, you know, it's not per- the perfect work that God is after. It's the infinite desire. So th- that was a helpful thing. Don't let yourself be discouraged. Just turn away from those dark clouds. You, you might be disappointed. Uh, you will be disappointed. We don't suffer very well. We suffer imperfectly. Uh, but, you know, it's like, you know, 
Me suffering well is like watching dogs on their hind legs, you know, walking. They don't do it very well, but you're surprised to find it done at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so for me, so suffering well was like that, very imperfectly. But I'm imperfect in prayer. I get distracted in prayer. I don't stop praying. But I can say I don't stop offering up to the Lord. Yeah. Al and Sally, thank you so much for being here today. and sharing your story. I'm sure it's going to be a tremendous encouragement for folks who are with us today. We're going to have to draw to a close. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You know, what we've just heard today is something very important. We, we all have suffering in our life and the temptation to say, why me? And Al says, why not me? We can trust God's love and care for our life. We can trust them in the midst of our suffering to bring good out of it and to have a purpose in it. We here at Renewal Ministries want to do whatever we can to help you surrender to the love and faith and trust in the Lord. Till next week, this is Ralph Martin and Alan Sally Cresta wishing the very best, a deeper faith, a deeper trust, a deeper love of God. This podcast is brought to you by Renewal Ministries, part of the Renewal Podcast Network. If you are enjoying this podcast, we invite you to help us spread the word by leaving us a rating or review, following or subscribing to this podcast, or sharing on social media. Until next time, this is Right Now with Ralph Martin. Ralph Martin.